Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. Welcome back to the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast. Our guest today is Rachel Gilbert, and she's going to be giving us some real talk from a counselor's perspective about how trauma impacts our body and our body image and the role our faith has to play in healing. This episode is so informative. We really hope it's going to help you to start thinking through some of those deeply held beliefs you have about your body and hold those beliefs up to truth. It is a great conversation. I can't wait to share it with you in just a moment. Before I do, just a quick announcement about the resources that we have available to take you on your next step in this intuitive eating journey. If you feel like you're surrounded by people who are still stuck in diet culture and just don't understand that you're trying to do something different, you probably need a little more support than just listening to podcasts. So I want you to ask yourself this question. How much support and community am I looking for right now? If you just want to connect with other women and be surrounded by people that get it online, check out our free private Facebook community. If you want more support, accountability, and encouragement, then check out our paid monthly membership program. We have multiple Zoom events every month and a wealth of resources that you can plug into for support right away from us and from other women who are committed to this intuitive eating journey. And if you're ready to go all in with an online course, then check out our signature program. It's called the Attunement Reset. It's a deep dive into Christ-centered intuitive eating. You can access all of these resources through our podcast website. It's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. So our guest today, Rachel Gilbert, struggled with body shame and insecurity for years. Even as a veteran fitness instructor, she fell short of her dream body image until she discovered how to appreciate the only body she will ever call home. Today, as a licensed counselor, Rachel helps women rebuild their body image from the ground up. Her new book offers a blueprint for a full body image renovation grounded in God's love and truth. The book's interactive format with writing prompts and reflective coloring pages also offers access to six free video teaching sessions online. I do want to give a quick content warning that there are weight references and specific weight amounts in Rachel's story. So if you think that might be triggering to you, then please take care of yourself. And before we jump into our conversation with Rachel, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God and cast out dieting for good. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. As a podcaster, I love sitting in this seat. Yes, for sure. 
Well, we love to jump right into it. So we would love to hear about your body image story and your God story. Just take us back to whichever one starts first. Absolutely. I love that body image and God story. I've done a lot of interviews and nobody's ever put those two things together. And I just, I liked how you phrased that because it is his story. And I think like a lot of people, my body image story definitely began when I was younger, did not realize it. And it's that whole hindsight looking back going, oh, okay, I kind of see what was happening in this buildup and little core beliefs that were um, instilled in me at a very young age. And uh, the the first memory that comes to mind for me when I think about my body image is I was in fifth grade and we went to PE, which, you know, yay for PE. Now, now I love PE. It's my PE. Working out is my fun time. But um, I remember for whatever reason, the gym teachers were weighing everybody and they had, you know, one of those giant metal scales that you used to see in doctor's office at the very front of the class. And um, they were putting us up there, but then there was, they were like across the room from each other. So we'd get on and then one would yell the weight to the one across the room so they could record it, which in hindsight, I'm kind of like, why didn't you have your clipboard with you? There's so many things in hindsight, right? But thankfully we've made a long ways. We're, we're not judging that, but this was my story. And anyhow, they weighed me and I was in the fifth grade significantly. My number was quite a bit higher, especially than all the girls, but honestly, even a lot of the boys. And I remember I kind of noticed it. That's the first time I go, remember going, huh, that's interesting. And then as I was walking back to my dot that we sat on, um, I heard a few of the kids snickering and I heard one of the boys say she weighs more than me, you know? And I just remember in that moment, it was like that sucker punch, like there's something wrong with me. And of course, did I run home and tell anybody about it? No, I like this on these interviews is some of the first time I'm, you know, bringing it up again and talking with anybody. And then, um, so I was just a bit overweight as a kid. I, um, just, like I said, didn't particularly even know that, how you put things into your body would affect how you felt and how you looked. And that was just a news flash to me. And I remember the first time I, my eyes were open to that, I was in high school and I had an abnormal hip thing that was happening. My growth plates were growing apart rather than together. And at the time I was playing basketball. And if your listeners could hear me, it'd it be in air quotes because I wasn't really that good, but I love being on the team because all my friends were on the team and I enjoyed doing it. And they just told me, hey, you've got to stop playing basketball, but also you need to lose weight. And that's all they told me. They just, you need to lose weight. No, no how to's, no anything, but just that's kind of the answer they told me for my problem. And I remember leaving there kind of feeling defeated. And I'm like, how do I even lose weight? I didn't even know, like, didn't know that was a thing that you could do that. And uh, one of my friends was like, well, why don't we stop, you know, drinking sodas and eating candy bars? And so I did. I was like, okay, yeah, I gave that up. And Within a month, I'd lost about 30 pounds. And so that was a very pivotal moment in my life. Again, in hindsight, I see this even more so because for the first time in my life, I realized, oh, okay, I could control this thing, which led into some very toxic disordered eating patterns and yo-yoing and, and all the unhealthy things. And lots of it was done in shame and secret because guess what? I dropped all that weight because I did, you know, I stopped drinking sodas and things, but 
then my relationship with food and my body became very estranged. And instead of it being a a friend and, hey, we're in this together, it was you versus me and white knuckling things. Um, and in, in looking back at that season, I realized that the enemy planted a lie in my heart of your worth uh, is in how much you weigh, because I got attention. I got my first boyfriend. Like I was getting so many adults even were like, we're so proud of you. You look so great. You've lost this weight. Like I was getting attention and it felt like love at the time. And now I know that it wasn't, but um, yeah, it just went on this cycle of woo up and down, up and down. And for me, I even went on uh, my undergraduate degrees in exercise physiology, because again, I was in this control season. I thought, man, I'm going to learn everything I can about the body so that I can control it, you know, the more I know. And, and I still love to learn about the body. I love science and things. So there's good in that for sure. Uh, but then it wasn't until I taught group fitness for about a decade. And I started to recognize I am not the only one struggling with this. Like after I would teach group fitness, I'd have women come up to me and just pour their hearts out to me. And I ended up going back to school and got my master's in marriage and family therapy. And I'm not a licensed counselor. And because I knew there are some puzzle pieces here that were for sure missing for me that the Lord wanted to work out in me first. And then I knew I had to go back and help other people too. And so that's just a kind of an overview. Obviously, there's lots more stories that happened along the way, but uh, that's how God took something that the enemy tried to sideline me, distract me, disqualify me, and said, not only are you not going to be disqualified because of this, but... I'm going to use you to go help set other people free. Yeah, it's so beautiful that he does that. So tell us, Rachel, when did you meet God? That's another great question. I love these questions. Um, I, I'm going to give you the church answer first and then the the real answer. I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, I I grew up with God all around me. And that is true. Like uh, legitimate people who love Jesus my whole life, but I did not meet I Jesus personally until I was, I was actually 13 years old. And I can remember it as we had moved. Uh, I won't tell that whole story, but I'm just gonna go and say I was 13 years old and that's when my life changed for real for me and has never been the same since. Yeah. I would really love to know how those two, you know, the struggles with food and body, were you including Jesus in that as you were dieting? Were you keeping it separate? When did those two things come together for you? And what did that look like? I'm really glad that you asked this because that was honestly a confusing thing for me for a long time. Uh, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but even you know, really great, I don't even say Christians, but people who are, you know, Christ followers and are on fire for the Lord, we tend to keep body over here and spirit over here. And we're like, hey, God, we totally trust you with our spirits. Like, yes, you've got that. But hey, this body thing, I've got that. And, you know, we just like got these in two different things. And I know for me, that was where my a huge struggle was for me, because if you think about it, that's a whole area of your life that you're keeping, that'd be like in my marriage. If I told my husband, Hey, you get all of this part of me, but this over here, that's actually, I'm just going to wrestle through that on my own. Thank you very much. And that doesn't work. We see marriages try to do that and it doesn't work. And that's the same with our relationship with the Lord. He cares about all of it for starters. But secondly, 
given us a body. It was his idea in the first place. And so, of course, he knows better than any of us uh, how to take care of it well and, and how to have that healthy relationship and all the things. And food was his idea. All, all The whole system was his idea. And so for me, yeah, I had for years a wrestling in that. And then when at first, when I got to the end of myself, I was actually pregnant with our second child. And I had gone into a doctor's office for my you know weekly weigh-in or whatever and had gained, I thought at the time, quite a bit of weight in a couple of weeks. And I started to cry. And thankfully, my doctor had a, a great doctor and he wasn't worried about the scale. He said, I'm not worried about the scale. I don't want you to be either. What's happening in your heart? And I remember he even told the nurses, she doesn't need to know her weight. Like, just don't. She doesn't need to know from now on out. And I didn't know my weight the rest of the pregnancy. And I remember though, I left that appointment and I went in my car and I cried and I just said, okay, Lord, I'm done trying to do this in my own strength. Uh, I'm pregnant right now. This should be a beautiful time for me. I'm bringing forth life. And here I'm upset over the weight that I'm gaining. And I just knew there was a disconnect there. And so I did. That was the start, the beginning of me inviting him in. But I'm going to tell you this. I have to continually submit to inviting him in because after I delivered that baby, I was very tempted to go back to, hey, God, you know what? I have this. And it was because I didn't want him to speak to me about things that were off. Like I knew my old way of doing things. And I'm like, yeah, I know that works in quotes again. Uh, yeah, it like. I could get the weight off, but then there's a weight sitting on my heart and he wanted to deal with that weight that was on my heart. And so it was, I mean, it was, you know, it did, it, there was a moment for me where I invited him into it, but then I know for me, it's a continually daily thing. And even now when I notice myself slipping back into old ways of thinking and ways of doing things and being tempted to do something, I have to just pause and go, okay, Lord, I'm so sorry, please come join me on this journey. I don't want to do this without you. Mm, I love that. We we call that surrender around here. <laughs> I'm wondering what that practice looks like for you daily, Rachel. Do you have any particular thing that gets you into that heart posture of submitting? When I wake up in the morning, there's a verse I say in Psalm that's, uh, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go for to you. I entrust my life. That's one of them. I know for me, if I don't just start my day in surrender, um, uh, I mean, I definitely, the Holy Spirit's so kind to halfway through tap me on the shoulder and go, Hey, would you like to, you know, go ahead and surrender to me? He forgot to do that when you woke up this morning. Cause I still have my days where, you know, we're rushing around and we're doing things our way. And, and you can just tell that something's off. And so just taking that little pause, I, uh, it's so powerful. Like you said, that word surrender, I feel like is under valued maybe of how powerful it is. And it takes two seconds to even say, I surrender Lord. <laughs> and it's a heart shift. And so that's for me daily, just starting my day like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I can't help but notice your wonderful analogy with marriage about like separating body and spirit. Like that is such a great illustration of what it's like to hold something back. And of course you're a marriage and family <laughs> counselor. So like that was, that just really popped for me. Um, and so about that separation that just tends to happen. We've heard this theme before, like most people have done this for seasons. Um, why do you think that is? Why do we do that? I think a big one is trust. 
uh, we feel like we're in control if I'm the only one who's in charge of this area. And so we're like, can this other person be trusted? Obviously in marriage, but really, can God be trusted? Um, and I know I like to look at the, if we don't know the character of God, it is hard to trust him. Right. Um, and so I do, I mean, trust was just the first word that came up. And if somebody's listening today and is like, yeah, I have a hard time trusting God. I have a hard time trusting my own body or, you know, even my loved ones in my life. I, especially with God would encourage you get in his word with that purpose of Lord, show me your character. Those are the kinds of prayers he like answers like pop. You guys have those kinds of prayers where you're like, oh, wow, he answered that immediately because it's his heart. He loves when his kids come and say, I want to get to know you. I want to know more about you. I want to know about your goodness and your faithfulness. And we learn that through his word. And then also through looking back on our life and seeing his hand moving, even when we weren't asking him to. Mm, That's so good. Have you um, had any big marked moments of um, just kind of learning to trust him with your body and um, or a practice that helps you to do that other than the daily surrender? I think this trust issue is another thing that a lot of people struggle with. So any encouragement or insights you can offer there would be so, so welcome. Yes. A story comes to mind, and I want to be delicate in sharing this story because I know this is something that is near and dear to a lot of women's hearts. And that is, I had a, I suffered a pretty traumatic miscarriage between our um, second and third children. Um, And it was, uh, I ended up having to be taken by ambulance to the hospital and was fighting for my life while fighting for the baby. And um, it did lose the baby. And I remember recovering from that and for the first time that I can remember in my life, I did not want to talk to God. In fact, I just wasn't. I was just like, I have nothing to say to you right now. Like I wasn't even why, you know, I wasn't even crying out why. It was just numb, shut down. And I remember it'd been several weeks and I hadn't been talking to him. And then he spoke to me. So I wasn't talking to him. I was giving him the silent treatment. And I just really heard very clearly he just said, Rachel, are you going to ask me to redeem it? And I was like, what? He's like, what you lost? Are you going to ask me to redeem it? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, yeah, Lord, redeem what was stolen from us, you know? And I honestly still, my, I'm just going to be real. Like my faith wasn't exactly up here at that moment. It was like, sure. You know, kind of more like, yeah, go for it, redeem it. And a year later, I had our only son on my birthday. He was 10 days late. And it was just a sweet little birthday thing. And and I like to be really clear with this story. Everybody's redemption stories looks different, okay? The end result is not always like mine, that you have a kid on your birthday. Like, I get that that's unique and that's special. But the Lord is in the business of redeeming. And especially when the enemy rips off things in our bodies, I do a lot of trauma work and oh my goodness, the stories that I just hear so often that I've been through, but even just that I get to, to sit in on that holy ground and walk through trauma, especially in the body, especially sexual trauma. Um, but then something like what I went through with loss, it's 
really messes with, um, for sure, your body and trusting your body and all of that. But then also it can um, really, you know, mess with that trust with the Lord. And he does not bring those things our way. It was never his plan that we suffer like this. That's not from him. But he is absolutely in the business of redeeming and just, re- you know, restoring our hearts. And so that was, that's just the story that came up when you asked me that, Aaron. of, you know, can you think of anything? I'm like, yeah, that was definitely a time in my life that I probably was on a road to saying, I don't trust you anymore. Are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm not letting you in on this journey. Look what happened there. And I also love the sweet part of that story for me is I wasn't doing anything right. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't oh praying and fasting and like, right. And right is in quotes, right. You know, where we think we can earn his love or we can earn his forget. We can like, no, his, his love and his forgiveness and his redemption is completely free. So. Mm, yeah. That's making me think of unmerited favor. Yep. Grace. Mm, that's so beautiful. I, that, the way you described that and just like, I think the way you put it into words where it was like a dialogue that really just felt like a relationship where it's like, we've been through a rough patch and you're, you're building relationship with the Lord, just like you would build relationship with a person. And like that takes time and communication and like you're, you're going through things together. And so like learning trust and practicing it by just being in communication and connected with the person or the Lord in this case, is just, it's just relationship right? It's union. We're made, we're made for that. And so I think, um, that was just a beautiful description of the relationship you have with him. I think that's such, you can't talk about trust if there's no relationship. So like that really, that really illustrates that Rachel. I I love that so much. Can you, um, can you talk to us a little bit more about what you've seen and working with, um, with women around trauma and the body. I think trauma and body image is something that we are just, um, we need, we need to talk about this more. Yeah. I'm uh, thinking about, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about, um, when we experience any sort of trauma, we experience it in our body, in our nervous system, and we hold on to that. Um, but especially trauma that is in our body or happens to our body and I would really love to explore how you see that impacting someone's body image, impacting how we see our body, how we relate to our body. Yes, I could talk about this for quite some time. Erin, uh, you said something a second ago. You said the word union. And that, I it jumped out to me because I do believe the Lord once restored union. Like in the beginning, he he just wants to walk and talk with us and be our God and we're his people. And so he's always after that restored union, that restored relationship. It all it does, it all comes back to that relationship. And so back to then the trauma piece of this. Um, I do, I'm not sure how familiar you all are with EMDR. That's something I do in practice. And one thing that you you mentioned how it's stored in our body. One of the questions that we ask when we're setting up a, a target processing around memories, because exactly like what you just said, those emotions get stuck with those memories and they just need to be processed. And one of the questions we ask once we've set all this up and we're asking them what would they feel and things is, where do you feel that in your body? 
And I love asking this question because for most people, if they've never done therapy or EMDR or something like that, they've never stopped to consider that it's stuck in their body. Um, And so it kind of shocks them at first. And then they go, oh, uh, my stomach. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can feel that in my stomach or they'll go, oh, my chest, it's it's really tightening or my I mean, they can they can pinpoint it. And in this particular type of therapy, once we've done processing, when we go reevaluate to see, okay, where are we? And we're measuring their, you know, disturbance levels, we check back in with their body. And we don't consider a memory clear until they no longer feel it in their body. And so we will keep going until their body doesn't is not because sometimes that pain will move like, oh, actually, now I have a headache. And oh, it like it's just it's very interesting. And so I I like that we're getting to talk about this because I think that people don't always recognize that it is there. And it's not just that it's stuck in our body. It's also just our body is talking to you. I kind of call it our built in alarm system, if you will. Uh, It's it's sending us messages. And so often what we do with those messages is we silence them. We put the bandaid on. We try to do something else that maybe we think, oh, maybe this will make me feel better when really we need to process that pain and get it up and out. Um, you want me to elaborate on any of that? Cause I could, like I said, I'm like, I could go on about that for a while, but I don't want to keep yammering. <laughs> no, that's so good. Please, please continue. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll give you a personal example for me. When I was going through EMDR training at just as a therapist going through the training, they, you know, we would test on each other or practice on each other, if you will. And one thing I was, it was so sweet of the Lord to have me process this uh, with my first or with our first child, I had an emergency C-section and that was pretty traumatic for me because I just mentally wasn't prepared for it. The recovery was real hard. And I decided to process that in this practice EMDR session. And so, cause they'd asked us to choose something that was like, you know, not, the, not from too far back, it, a little more recent and processing this. And here's the really cool thing. Whenever I process this with that therapist, um, my relationship with my daughter, who was the C-section had a huge breakthrough. So this was an interesting thing for me in that I was carrying pain from that, that then I was also like, it was interfering with my relationship with my daughter. And I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just saying the depths of pain um, and even like some other weird stuff that I had been having going on in my GI system that went away after we processed this and it was crazy though, but, um, I actually, during this processing got a splitting headache and I don't usually get headaches. And so at first I told our trainer, I said, I can't keep going. Like my head is splitting. Like I can't, I can't even keep going. And, um, the head lead trainer came over to me and she said, if you trust me, I would love to just keep processing with you. And instead of doing eye movements at that point, we went to butterfly hugs because that's you can keep your eyes closed and it's just tapping. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And we kept going and the headache went away. And it was again that my body was speaking, like, oh, we're hitting on something here. And what I wanted to do was retreat and go, I can't do it. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> we're backing away. But I was so thankful that I was with a trainer that said, I really believe your body's just 
responding right now to what's coming up, if you'll let me lead you through this pain, I believe that there's something on the other side and there was. And so I just felt, you know, led to share a personal story because I don't like to share other people's stories without their permission. But that was just one example of how that was stored in my body. I didn't even know it. Right. Like I just was like, oh, sure, this is a good thing we could, I guess, process. I hadn't even considered that I might need to. And so that was really cool. Yeah, that's such a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that story, by the way. Yeah. I so relate. <laughs> um, oh, but I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about how our culture um, approaches so many things. I'm thinking of diet culture, right? But I'm just thinking of like someone that has, um, not a great body image or what, and our culture kind of will come at you with all of these plans or steps, or here's what you do um, to fix your, your body image. And um, they try real hard and it doesn't quite do it. And then some shame builds up and they feel some stuff in their body like this isn't okay and it's not working. What's wrong with me? And so I'm just thinking about um, what you just talked about and how that trauma is stored in our body and what that looks like. And so if someone's really struggling with their body image, is it really like about the way their body looks or is it really that they're not following the plan right or is there something else? So how, how do you approach that? Well, I think all three of us could sit here and say, it's probably not about the body image and what they look like. If it was that simple, we would, I think I'll be over it by now. And there wouldn't still be a need for these conversations and these books and teachings and things, because we are seeing a shift a little bit in culture of people going, Hey, especially from a couple generations ago of, you know, lots of body positivity and, and things like that. And it is a step in the right direction, but the problem is it's not getting to the root of anything. Um, it's what we call top-down approach or behavior modification and saying, hey, if you do this diet or you think like this or or you just finally go ahead and embrace how you look. And for some people that just doesn't land. And for the people that doesn't land with, especially um I am trying to remember the phrase that was going around for a while, but it was something like um, your body is good or, you know, you're, you're of a good body. And I had so many people reach out to me and ask me, and I thought it was great questions of, they said, why does that phrase make me mad? I would love to believe you, they're like, do you really, I mean, I even remember, you know, just one lady just say like, if I believe that, like, that would be so easy. That would be such an easy fix. If I could just be like, yay, have a good body done. Okay. And what we know is true, we have good bodies, there's a disconnect in why there's there's something blocking it. And so I do think there's often lots of different things that could be blocking it. And trauma is one that, like we've been talking about, I, I think is a big one that's not addressed enough because I also like to remind people, trauma is not just these, I've told you about some really big ones on mine, you know, physically, but the small T traumas can have just as much, if not more impact than these bigger ones, because these bigger ones I can share. And even people, for example, when I had the miscarriage, like people knew about that, that was a big deal. And I wasn't, you know, people knew that happened. They might reach out and ask if they can 
bring a meal or pray for you. But the small T traumas, like the one I told in the beginning of the show of getting weighed in front of everybody and having people snicker at my weight, that's traumatic to a little fifth grader. And it left a mark on my little fifth grade heart of, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like, I don't know what this is about, but there's something wrong. And I like to, the visual I get for that, it's kind of like if you are stacking uh, stones, if you're going on a hike and you see everybody who goes by adds one more stone to the tower. And over the years, these little T traumas, they just stack up, they stack up, they stack up. And so then 20 years later, you wake up and you're going, why am I so stuck? Why is this so deeply embedded in me? And it's because it's been maybe years of different encounters that spoke the same message of what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with your body. You need to fix this or whatever the mess core message might be for you. And so that's why doing this work that we're doing here is so powerful because it's going back to I like to encourage people, you don't have to process every single one of those stones. We just need to get to the bottom layer and kind of like Jenga, whoop, pull it out and expose the core belief. And and all of them come crashing down because we just exposed what we'd been building our body image on. And if it wasn't correct, then we get to reframe it. I love that Jenga visual. (laughs) So far, I've only been thinking about it as like ripping up uh, weeds like to, but make sure you get the roots. Don't just yep. pull them from the top, but the Jenga, oh, that is just, um, that is a way more satisfying picture somehow. <laughs> I I love thinking of all of these lies just literally coming, crashing down when we, when we pull it out and replace the lie with truth. So that is, um, that's so good, Rachel. Can you talk a little bit more about what we were just kind of touching on with behavior modification diets, like just going at the behavior is not going to work. I know you've got um, a triangle effect in your book. Can you talk us through a little bit about the relationship with like thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and then how how to begin to take that uh, <laughs> that jenga piece out or that root out, so that we can really rebuild this foundation. Yes. So for the listeners, if you're able to either in the air, draw a triangle. I'd prefer if you could, if you have a piece of paper or something, you could draw a triangle. And at the top, we have thoughts. And then in uh, the bottom corner, we have emotions and then we have behaviors. I don't, you know, you, you don't have to put them in that exact order, but they all are intertwined and they all affect each other. And what we see with dieting and, you know, positive mantras and all the, these kinds of things is it's going after the behavior. It is isolating the behavior and just circling that behavior piece of the triangle and saying, hey, here's what that promises us. It says, if you will simply change your behavior, then this area is going to be fixed for you. And we're just going to focus on that behavior when really um, it all starts with your thoughts because your thoughts affect your feelings and then your feelings affect your behaviors. And if we don't get to the root of the thoughts and the feelings, then you're white knuckling that behavior, which is why then diets, you know, you find somebody going, oh, you know, I screwed up or I'm back here. Or, and it you can tell they haven't been doing thought work because their thoughts are the exact same as went before they went on that quest, right? And then the other really important thing you mentioned the Jenga piece is our thoughts. So we know the Bible is extremely clear. And Paul even reminds us that you know, we got to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And 
the way to do that, like when it comes to finding out those lies that we've been believing for so many years is um, looking at, you know, something that we, we refer to as core beliefs. And so our core beliefs are affecting our thoughts. And so, for example, if I had a core belief for years that my worth was in my weight, and if I couldn't keep this certain weight, then what did I have to offer? Well, then that core belief would shape a thought for me like, oh, I have to, you know, like uh, something toxic, like I have to start this new diet to because I've gained five pounds and, you know, going runaway thoughts. I call them runaway, runaway brain. And then the feeling that would follow that is fear. Like, oh, no, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this and, and everything. And then behavior would come things that were not toxic, disordered eating or overexercising or all kinds of things like that. And then once I sh- changed that core belief to, no, Jesus, my worth is in Jesus, like that that's it. Uh, now, when those thoughts still come, because here's the thing I like to remind people, it's not that those thoughts don't still come to us sometimes, it's just now we're aware and we recognize them because my core belief has been changed. And so that thought doesn't line up with my core belief anymore. Uh, the thought, you know, oh no, if I don't do, you know, I need to start this thing or I need to jump on the same bandwagon that everybody else is doing right now. When my thoughts try to go there, there's a disconnect now because it's like, but wait, hold on. This isn't really lining up anymore. There's, there's something that's off here. And that's the beautiful thing of when we get to the root, then, you know, we kind of break that cycle. And I, uh, really love to change that cycle with God's word because you can't argue with God's word. It's going to be the same 10 years from now, 100 years from now. Whereas anybody who's been in the health and fitness industry for five minutes knows that what what we're saying this year is going to be different next year. And, I, and that's just the way it is because that's, that's why we call it practice in medicine. And people are learning and, and growing in that. And so I like to reframe thoughts with God's word because you can't argue with it. Okay. So give me some pushback here because if we're saying we can't argue with God's word and we are also saying the statement, your body is good, makes me really mad. Well, hold on. (laughs) Doesn't God's word say that his creation is good? Like why, how, how how did it happen? How can we have people? Cause I totally agree with you. You can't argue with God's word. So how, like, how did this happen? How can yes. we, how can so many women, and I gotta, I gotta confess, I had that response too. It's like, Ooh, I want to agree. Ooh, I want to put, put this on, you know, my social media and like declare this or wear a shirt. I'm like, I can't wear a shirt that says that. Like, yeah, this is hard to believe. Mm-hmm. So what in the world is going on? Like, give us some real talk, like slap us in the face a little bit, Rachel. <laughs> we yeah, need for sure. Cold glass of water, please. Yeah. Well, I want to, I think that it's, first of all, we have to clarify you can't, I mean, people try to argue with God's word for sure. You can't argue with it, but you, you can be mad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference there in really probably the phrase I use, you can't argue with it is incorrect. Uh, you can't debunk it. You can't, mm-hmm. you're right. It, it, it's not going to change versus, yeah, we can't argue with it. And people try arguing with it all the time. And we do get mad sometimes or other emotions that might come up when we read these things and we're going, wait, what? 
huh? Are you sure about that, God? Like we do, we do. Sometimes we do argue. We do get mad, and I don't think that upsets him because, again, back to the relationship piece, he wants us to be able to tell him when we're like, that rule doesn't make sense. Like, what's this about? It, not rule, but you know what I mean. Like that that doesn't make any sense to me. I can't wrap my brain around it. And it's actually in that wrestling of those scriptures where we it goes deeper with that like it actually means something it goes from oh that's just a cute quote that i've read on a coffee mug ten thousand times to oh that means something to me (laughs) uh i have a whole album on my phone called stand firm and uh, i'm up to like 170 verses now that verses that i had to wrestle out in like i was standing on for a season and i keep them in that album as a reminder of the truth because yeah i still have those moments not so much with the and we can speak into the other piece of this in a second um but i still have those moments where i'll read things from god's word and at first it does make you mad like that's lame that's like i don't you know (laughs) that's dumb i don't i don't believe that but then the more you resonate on it you're like well okay and it gets does it it reads you as you read it and so that's the next thing on that piece of why does this make us all mad on um, the phrase of that your body is good, first of all, because his word reads us when we read it. And so it kind of brought something up. I mean, it brought up a core belief in me that was like, oh, did not line up with his word. And so usually if there's a piece of his word that irritates me, it's probably because there's something in my heart that's off. And it's, it's, you know, that word saying, um, something's off here for sure. So I think that's the first thing there. Um, I have a second thing, but do you want to follow up on that? Cause I'm like going off on a tangent before no, I go, go into the second, go right ahead. Yeah. The second thing I think, um, cause I've actually wrestled through this too. I mean, as we're talking about here that why can't I, um, I, I agree with you. I'm like, it kind of rubbed me slightly wrong a little bit that, you know, you're, you're a good body. And I think that it's also the more I get in his word, I recognize that if I'm standing in my own strength, like that, that Rachel is amazing, that I, I, in and of myself, I am awesome. I am beautiful. Like I just need to own me and I'm going to post naked selfies on myself because this is who I am and take it or leave it. And that is self-centered. That's not me focusing on my good, like that's not me focusing on Jesus and me. Um, Mm -hmm. My body is good because Jesus resides, like I'm a reflection of him because of Jesus in me. And that's Mm -hmm. just different, right? And so um, obviously we don't know the hearts and stuff of people whenever they're saying these types of things, but um, there is a different heart and spirit there. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. It's like, if you read... um, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made uh, that verse being about you. Yeah. It's a completely different thing than if you read that verse being about God. Yeah. Right. So if we just kind of cherry pick this thing out of God's word that says your body's good, like, okay. Like it'd be great if I could believe that. Like my whole life I've heard that my body is not good and our whole culture says the bodies are not good. And I have all this, trauma and all these beliefs and all this stuff like okay like that's falling pretty flat for me right but if we get into god's word and really read god's word and get to know his character and all this other stuff and we surrender to i want to believe that my body is good 
then some stuff's going to happen. All right. That's that taking those thoughts captive and proclaiming his truth. I was thinking of when you were talking about, you know, those thoughts do come, they come, but the root belief is gone now. And my core belief is something else. And so they don't, they don't really have a foundation to stand on anymore. I'm just like picturing, you know, like your neuro pathways, I'm seeing these neurons and then like this, like road close sign, like the bridge is broken here. Like you can come in, but you have nowhere to go or land. I'm taking this captive and sending it out, it doesn't have room to grow anymore into, um, yeah, in the beginning, it's like it, that thought might build some feelings, but eventually like those thoughts don't have power to build feelings anymore. And they don't have power to build behaviors anymore because they don't have a foundation to stand on inside of you because you know, your identity in Christ. Now, you know, your worth in Christ now, and you're not living by the enemy's lies anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you mentioned that for so long, you were given the message that your body's not good. And I like to remind people of that when it comes to these core beliefs, because however long, you know, I'm about to be 40. So for the first 20 years, for sure, my life, even longer, um, I was getting a certain message. And then we get frustrated when we try to re reframe that. And we're like, well, wait, I did it twice. Why don't I believe it yet? Well, for 20 years, you were hearing this message that your body's not good. So that's why, again, the, the word is clear on it's a daily renewing and cleansing of the mind. So be patient with yourself and extend some grace there that it is going to take time to let that word be your foundation and let that, I love the, uh, that visual you gave too, of just that, that highway of like, no, like they're still going to come through, but that daily renewing and just continually submitting is going to be the key. Mm, that's so good. Mm-hmm. So Rachel, can you um can you wrap us up with some teasers about image restored? I, I think everybody who is listening to this podcast should get your book um and work through it and treat it like um uh, so far I'm only about halfway through, but it really is resonating on the level of it's giving me time to work through stuff. I'm not just reading it onto the next, reading it onto the next. I think the way we consume content right now in this culture is um, just, we're just breezing by everything. Nothing's soaking in. We're not holding space for anything. We're not processing all the information that's coming at us. So I so appreciate how you have built in pauses into the book and it really can um, I mean, I don't think anybody should avoid therapy. I think everybody should probably be in therapy, but this book is a great DIY therapy. And I think you did such a great job as, you know, a counselor to, to just pro- provide that gift. And I just have to commend you for that. But can you tell the listeners a little bit more about the book and what they can expect and where they can get it and all of that good stuff? Yes, I know just from obviously from counseling, but even in my own personal life, that we just don't always get enough space in our lives to stop and process. And so I did, I wrote the book in a very strategic way. I, I'm so thankful my publisher caught the vision because I did, I went to bat for the format of it because it is a combination of a traditional book and a trade book all rolled into one. 
Um, I wanted, I don't, I don't want people to have one book over here and one over there. I want them all just to have it right there with you. And I don't want to ask people to get out a journal because no, I've never ever once gotten out a journal when a book asked me to. And so I'm like, I'm not going to expect my reader to do that. I, I tried to take away all the excuses possible. And so I made the chapters. It's, there's actually 18 chapters, which is more than a traditional book, but they're shorter because I want people to consume less and process more. And I know that the words that are in the book are powerful, but I really believe the true transformation happens when we stop and we process. What did I just read? But more importantly, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me about what I just read? It's kind of like when you've listened to a sermon and the thing that the Holy Spirit says to you is, completely pastor didn't say anything about it, you know, but it's just, you, you gave that space. You were there in church and you were listening and you're asking God what he's saying to you. And so that's why I did it that way. And then I, I brought in coloring to the book as well to kind of jog that side of people. I've seen this really um, helpful in counseling that it does. There's even a little bit of bilateral simulation and coloring of um, there's a verse there at the end of every chapter that I'm asking you to meditate on while you color, while you journal. And again, I encourage people just to be creative with it. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Like even with journaling, I tell people, if you're not a long form journal, bullet point, give me one word. I don't know. You do you, but like get it up and out. And so that's what the chapters are like. But then between each three chapters, we have six units where I teach. Uh, we do a little bit deeper of a Bible study, and then I teach a counseling activity. And there's also videos that are included with it as well. Me walking you through the counseling activity. So it's very interactive is the, the way I've described it to people is whatever kind of learner you are, whether you like to listen, read color, right? Like whatever you, however you learn, you're going to get a touch of it here. Oh, that's so good. I'm so thankful you did it that way. It's going to be such a powerful resource in the hands of these women. So thank you for your obedience and hard work and putting that out into the world. We are grateful. And okay, before we wrap up with our super fun, Shar, I hope you have these. Okay. <laughs> our super fun rapid fire questions. Can you just tell everybody where to find you online and about your podcast too? My main landing site is my name, rachelgilbert.com. You do spell my first name with an extra A-R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Thanks, mom and dad. And then my podcast name is Real Talk with Rachel. And the book uh, page name is imagerestoredbook.com. Obviously, the .com. <laughs> I love it. I am super excited to get checking out the book. Aaron's been telling me about it. And um I've been listening to a few of your interviews on other podcasts and I am just stoked. This is going to be so good. And I'm, I'm hearing a, a book club book here, Aaron. Totally. For the membership. So before we head out, we love to ask some fun rapid fire questions. Um, our standard fun have to ask question is coffee or tea and how do you take it? I used to would tell you green tea, but lately I've been liking coffee with a little bit of creamer. Yeah. So. How's that for a, a definite answer? <laughs> <laughs> Most people's answers is something like that to those questions. So that's okay. What is your favorite mode of exercise right now? I have a knee injury. Mm. So uh, weightlifting 
that is a little more kind on my body and yoga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Beach or mountain vacation? Beach all day long. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to do at the beach? Lay there. No, yeah. actually, besides lay there, go hunting for shells. Yeah, fun. While you're laying there, are you reading a book, listening to a podcast? Reading a book. Reading a book. Yeah. What's your favorite genre of book to read? Whenever I'm at the beach, I like to finally read fiction because usually I'm reading self-help, nonfiction, like my book, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I love um, Francine Rivers. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All her stuff. Awesome. I love it. And favorite type of food? Mm. Man, this one's good. I love to bake. So anything cinnamon, if you, mm. anything, I mean, just cinnamon, everything. I'm I'm here for all the cinnamon things. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I love that. Awesome. And what's the verse right now that you're standing on? Currently, Psalm one, two through three or four, um, that whoever is plant, whoever meditates on the word of God day and night is like a tree planted by streams of living water and whatever she does will prosper. Mm, So good. Aaron and I get all teary eyed about any sort of plant gardening metaphor. Yes. (laughs) Really? I love scriptures that talk about nature in that way. So resonates every time. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. This has been so amazing. And I can't wait for people to hear this episode and to check out your podcast and get image restored. I'm just so excited and thankful um, for your ministry and all you do to support women on this healing journey. Um, would you would you close us in prayer, please? I would love to. Father, I thank you for every single person who's sitting under the sound of my voice right now. Thank you that Holy Spirit, you drew them into this conversation because it's one that you want to continue with them. So I pray that even as we get off of here today, that they have that space to just come talk with you, to come hang out with you, to have that relationship with you first and foremost, so you to restore union with you and them, but also with um, within their own body. And I pray for anybody represented here today who has trauma or pain. Um, that just hurts so deeply. Jesus, I ask that you do what only you can do and you draw near to the brokenhearted. I just pray for healing and peace right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. This episode was brought to you by our Intuitive Eating for Christian Women monthly membership program. Are you struggling to implement intuitive eating in this distracting and deceptive diet culture? It's hard out there. Our membership is the support group you need to link arms with other women and feel empowered and equipped to follow Jesus on this path. If you are ready to invest in your faith-based intuitive eating journey and invest in relationships with like-minded Christian women, then come join us. You can learn more on our podcast website. It's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you in the next episode.